Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome to another hour dedicated to the notion of enlightenment. An hour for inquiry, reflection, questions, possibilities, philosophical quandaries, uncovering dissonance, and just a whole lot more. All in our effort to understand what exactly is meant by enlightenment, and more importantly, what it is to be enlightened. An hour devoted to exploring the edge of consciousness and all that is implied thereof. Indeed, an hour dedicated to learning something more about ourselves. An hour designed to help us go further inward and perhaps challenge some of those old ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. This is an hour where we strive to evaluate knowledge as inseparable from the total experience of reality. And this is an hour when we suspend our foregone conclusions, recognizing that everything we think we know might just be wrong. And with that attitude of open-mindedness, we hope to enrich our endeavor and brighten our path toward enlightenment. I'm Eldon Taylor, and you're listening to Provocative Enlightenment. Every week, I read a few of your letters as our way of paying respect to the importance you play in helping us to shape and improve our show. Last week, we discussed technology and how it is being used to peer into the depths of our minds, from finding our lies, our secret thoughts, to synchronizing our hearts and brains in one coherent, rhythmic pulse. Among our guests last week was my good friend, Dr. Vic Waddell. Vic was one of the inventors to give us ultrasound, at least as we know it today. Vic spoke of his new energy healing center in Joshua Tree, California. Cat wrote, this has been incredibly interesting. Please bring this guest back soon. Well, Cat, your wish is our command. We have scheduled Vic for another appearance, and we'll spend an hour talking about uh, the use of some of these technologies that, uh, that we've known for years and years um, indeed have great healing power, but are just now uh, gaining, I suppose, the respect that we think of when we say technology. MJ remarked on our show in our chat room, just wanted to comment that the show is great and that this is a wonderful way to engage your show lovers. Thank you for sharing your gifts. Thank you, MJ. I like that, Rav. Charlene wrote, Ravinder, I just love how your sweetness shines through during Eldon's Hay House shows. Sure hope you know how treasured you are by his listeners. Well, how true, Charlene. You know, I kind of like her as well. Thanks, guys. That makes me feel really good. I love it. I love you guys, too. All right. I often appear as a guest on other radio shows. I received this letter from Mara Lee following one such guest appearance. I heard you on Achieve Radio. Last night, I heard another guest say, being stuck can be holding on to unforgiveness. It really resonated with me, and I offered up a prayer for help. I heard you this morning in your free offer of the MP3 about forgiveness. I've been listening to it over and over again at work, and I can hardly hold back the tears. It must be working. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Merrily. Now, the reason I chose to read this letter today is to remind all of you that this program, Forgiving and Letting Go, is absolutely free for the downloading, together with several other programs that we offer as a part of our own pay-it-forward effort. I solemnly believe that forgiveness is where we all must start on our road to personal empowerment, true self-discovery, and hopefully our our eventual enlightenment. But with that said, 
As I mentioned, there are a number of other programs that can be very helpful, ranging from stress to dealing with the loss of a loved one, and they are yours for the downloading. This is the real deal, the patented and scientifically proven InterTalk technology. They are not samples. This is product that we sell on CD for $27.95 every day of the week. So just go to Eldon Taylor, E-L-D-O-N-T-A-Y-L-O-R dot com, and select free programs from the left-hand navigation pane. All right. Shirlene wrote, Heard about you through talk radio by pure accident. Listen to your online show. Heard you talk about your website, which opened a door I have been searching for for many, many years. Amazing how things work. Yes, indeed, it truly is. And thanks for the letter, Shirlene. Okay, Michael wrote, Hi, Eldon. Truly enjoying your program, Provocative Enlightenment on Hay House Radio. I read mine programming when it was released. Loved the book. Thanks, Michael, and we hope you keep listening. And David wrote, I love your radio show, and I must tell you, InterTalk programs have greatly improved my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, thank you, David. I do really appreciate hearing your feedback, and thanks for another warm fuzzy. Okay, that's all the time for our letter segment today. However, I do invite you to opine by leaving comments on my website or by emailing me at Eldon at eldentaylor.com and or by joining me on Facebook. I do read all of your letters, even though we don't have time to share them all on the show, and they do impact our programming, so thank you. I truly do appreciate your support and hope you enjoy our show. So does Ravinder truly appreciate your support, come to think of it, don't you, Ravinder? Always do, most Um, certainly. All right, we'll get it up there. (laughs) Okay, in my book, What Does That Mean? Exploring Mind, Meaning, and Mysteries, I address the idea of animal consciousness, not just as being aware or feeling pain, but in a very special, nescient way. My experience with animals has been rich, and they have come in all shapes and forms. At one time, I owned a large all-breed stallion station and racing stable, complete with a tack and feed store. We had some cattle, dogs, cats, and other farm animals, including our mother goats that would adopt uh, orphan foals. I share many stories in my book about my animal friends and what they have taught me about life, spirituality, and kinship. Many of you have written me about these stories, shared some of your stories, and and many of them are tearjerkers, while others cause goosebumps to climb your spine. For me, I am convinced that animals are intelligent companions that share with us a consciousness that in some ways is far superior to our own. They are aware in, in ways that astound me. For example, I once had a mare teach me something really important. It's a long story and one that I tell in my book, What Does That Mean? But today, I'm going to condense the story and go to the bottom line. This mare died in my arms. Her head was on my lap. It was around midnight, and there were some 50 horses in my barn at the time. They were all turned away from the light in the middle of the alleyway where the mare, her owners, my ranch hands, and myself were. The moment her eyes rolled back in her head, All 50 horses turned, came forward in their stalls, poking their heads out over the stall gates into the alleyway itself, and they all in unison began neighing. My foreman, who was standing some 30 feet or so away with the rest of everyone present, principally the owners of the mare, shouted to me something like, what's going on with the horses? My answer, the mare just passed. How do horses connect this way? How is it 
that they all knew what had happened the moment it occurred. Dr. Rupert Sheldrake has appeared on our show, and we have spoken of his work and research showing that animals have a consciousness that goes beyond the so-called local event. He's demonstrated unequivocally that many animals know in advance when their owners will return, when they call on the phone, and much more. I remember a dear friend of mine, Jeffrey Chambers Hughes. He boarded a thoroughbred in my barn for many years. He called this horse Cupcake. That wasn't his registered name, but that was his call name. Jeffrey owned Silk Willoughby Farms and uh, had bred Aloma's Ruler. And for those of you that don't know anything about racehorsing, Aloma's Ruler was a Preakness winner. Preakness is one of the Triple Crown races. The name Cuppy, as Jeffrey nicknamed him, always seems somewhat ill-dignified for a horse from the lines of Legendaire and Le Fabuleur. Nevertheless, I remember a trip Jeffrey made down the Amazon. He sent letters to Cuppy. We would read the letters as they arrived with some humor and then pin them to the door of his stall. The horse seemed to know what we were reading and that the letters were from Jeffrey. What's more? He would sometimes just sort of nuzzle the letters, and if one of them fell off the stall door, he would set up a fuss, pounding on the door, making a ruckus, until it was pinned back up again. Ah, some might say we were just anthropomorphizing the event. Perhaps we were. We'll speak with our guest today about all of this and much more, but we would like your input and stories as well. You can join us. Now, Ravinder kind of gave it away, and if you haven't already figured it out, our guest today is a true animal communicator. Where animal communication is concerned, I used to be truly skeptical. No question about that. But then, that was years ago. I do know that certain animals, those, those that we share a bond with especially, seem to know what we are saying. And we seem to know what they're saying. I remember having to shoot a large varmint that was killing our chickens. My friend Lady Balto, a German shepherd, had the animal cornered on the railing of my deck. It was large enough that it could well have attacked her. I pulled a shotgun to my shoulder and yelled a command to Balt that I had never used with her. One word. The word was break. Now, that was a command that I used many, many years prior to Balto with bird dogs. Back in the days that, you know, I hunted. The minute I spoke, Balto dropped back, clearing my shot as though she had been trained to break away on that command. I could share many other examples, but my guest today is one that you must hear. Imagine a gray parrot, and they're the smartest of the parrots, but imagine a gray parrot that responds intelligently to several different languages. I don't want to spoil that story, so I'll leave it for our guest to share. Our guest today is Don Brunke. Don is the author of Animal Voices, Telepathic Communication in the Web of Life. It's a great book. In fact, her three books are, are great books, great reads. If you love animals, they're, they're, you're going to be inspired by them. The book features interviews with two dozen animal communicators and over 100 animals and animal spirits, in addition to... Uh, Animal Voices. Don is also the author of Shape Shifting with Our Animal Companions. Interesting title. We'll discuss that. And Animal Voices, Animal Guides. For the past six years, Don has been the editor of Alaska Wellness, a bi-monthly magazine focused on health and wellness for the body, mind, and spirit. Don lives with her partner, Bob Brunke, their wonderful daughter. I'm going to get this one said correctly. Eliska. 
two great Elieska. dogs. Say it again. Elieska. Elieska. All right. Thank you. Elieska. I guess that was supposed to, that was originally the name of Alaska something. Well, her two great dogs, Max and Zach, and other animals in Wasilla, Alaska. Wasilla is getting famous, isn't it? Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Don Brunke. Hello? You're on the air. Okay. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment. How are you? Yes, I'm great. I'm great. Nice to hear you. I'm glad we have you. Did you hear the setup piece? I did hear the setup piece. Thank you very okay. much. Lovely introduction. Can you, can you tell us about the parrot? <laughs> well, yeah. The story you're referring to is a woman I, re, uh, I interviewed in my first book, Animal Voices. Uh, her name was Jane Hallander, and she lived with an African gray parrot named Jing. And as she, as she tells the story, it was really Jing who introduced her to what animal communication was all about. The parrot used to step very deliberately on her fingers and move from one to the next to the next. So Jane had this idea, hey, this would be a great, you know, a great little trick. I'll teach Jane, in quotes, <laughs> um, you know, to step on the finger that I, that I call out. So she would call out number one, and Jane would step on the first finger. Number three, and Jane would go over to the third finger. And without fail, Jane would always go on the right finger. So then she decided to get a little tricky. She would use a foreign language. She used a little Mandarin Chinese, and Jing did the same thing. Now, this is beginning to really interest her, wow. because how was Jing knowing what she was doing? So she even took the, the experiment a little further, and she had a friend come, come over who spoke Korean. And the friend called out a number, and sure enough, Jing stepped on that finger. How is this possible? The answer, Jane decided, was telepathy. And that was really her introduction into the whole thing, into the whole um, experience of how we can connect with animals through uh, thoughts, through words, through feelings, through sensations, through a deeper connection than the one we're used to, you know, just using verbal language. Incredible. So yeah. now, for our audience, uh, we probably should have you share with us how you began your journey as an animal communicator and, and what got you started in all of this. I mean, you right. didn't have a parrot stepping finger to finger. <laughs> I did not have a parrot. In fact, it came about in a very roundabout fashion, really over a period of a number of years. I had just moved to Alaska, and I was hired as the editor of a health and wellness magazine. And one of the articles that, we have, that I was working on was uh, written by a woman in Anchorage who talked to animals. And I was really fascinated by this whole thing. You know, it, wow, if we can talk to animals, what would they have to say? And how does this work? And, and on and on. I just, it was just a wellspring of questions for me. So long story short, I, in, I ended up interviewing this woman, this woman and was really um, touched by her intelligence and the depth of, of um, uh, a thought that she brought to this explaining this whole process. This kind of kick-started in me, um, my curiosity, I ended up interviewing a lot of other animal communicators. That's actually how my first book came about, which is, as you said, an interview with about 12 um, of the top U.S. animal communicators and, and yeah. animals through them. Anyway, um, for me, the very personal thing was, I, I, it's, it's odd because, you know, here you're doing kind of writing this article or a series of articles which became a book on animal communication, and yet... It never really occurred to me that I could do such a thing. It wasn't that I didn't believe I could, but it, it just didn't occur to me. It was an odd little mindset. And one day I was working on my computer, um, actually on an interview, and a number of birds came to this beautiful berry bush outside my window. And 
uh, I think it was because I was so calm and I had been talking to so many communicators about how this worked. I just spontaneously put my hand on my heart and I walked to the window and I said, little birds, do you have a message for me? Now, this is something very unlike anything I would ever do. I just don't talk like that and I wouldn't ordinarily do a thing. But I think I was in that Mm, a very fine state of consciousness that was just open. I was outside of my ordinary, let's say, you know, paradigm of reality. And in that moment when I asked, I received an answer. And it was very unusual. It was sort of like what all these different animal communicators had been telling me. It was a feeling of deep-down connection. And I did hear words in my mind, and I think that's just how I am. We can talk later about how different people receive from animals. But for me, because I work with words a lot, um, I heard thoughts in my mind that were not my thoughts, but the thoughts or the, the sensations of these birds. And it was a very, just very short little experience, maybe 10 seconds, and it really changed my world. It completely changed the way that I understood how this worked and uh, really our deep-down connection with animals in the natural world. It's a wonderful story. When I read that in your book, it actually gave me goosebumps. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's the kind of thing that you relate to if you can get out of that left brain paradigm. If mm-hmm. it's ever happened to you, if you've ever had that experience where you, you heard in your head what an animal was saying, it, it is, uh, it's incredible. You and I both share a common hero in Boone and his companion, Strongheart. Mm-hmm. Yes. So let me ask you, and, and we'll jump to this because the lines are lighting up and the okay. questions are already coming in from the chat room. Uh, Strongheart, of course, puts forward the idea that there is an afterlife for animals, and that that for many people is a is a hot issue. Uh, I don't think it should be, uh, irrespective of whatever religious background you have. But I'm just going to ask you. How do you see animal communication as connecting with uh, spiritual awareness of all life? Well, for me, animal communication really was was kind of the, the, the grounding that helped me get out of this idea that we can only communicate with other humans. We can connect with animals. And I think the way we do that is in a number of different ways. Like I said, through kind of that mind-to-mind connection, we can have a heart-to-heart connection. We have a deep-down connection, something maybe we don't have a, a name for. Once you kind of move yourself into that, you realize, wow, it's not so different if you're in body or out of body. I had a lot of spontaneous experiences just connecting with what I would call animal spirits, um, animal beings that were no longer in body. So it was just a little step past, you know, kind of our paradigm. And I think, um, you know, uh, humans connect with humans out of body, too, that are, uh, that are deceased, uh, whose bodies are no longer here. And um, it's, it's, just, it's just another form of connection, you know. So for me, it's, not that, it's not that unusual anymore. You know, one of the explanations that I've heard for how dogs know when their owners are coming home or how this communication that we're talking about is possible or why an entire flock of birds all turn at at precisely the same moment in flight is that animals are naturally in touch with a quantum field, including Mm -hmm. source energy, zero-point energy. What are your thoughts on that? I agree with that. I agree completely. And I think it's something that um, we are connected to as well. And I think one of the reasons that, that animal communication is so important right now is because, in a way, it forces us to really deepen ourselves, to quiet, and to tap into that 
quantum field, you know, which, which might be called entrance into the universal language. You know, that's what it is, really. It's, it's a field of energy in which we feel ourselves, and we can connect with anyone or anything, any time, any space. You know, it's wide open. All right, you state in your book that every species has a distinctive energy that they bring to the planet. Mm. In fact, you say llamas are the holders of the light. <laughs> so do you have a table indicating what every species brings? And no. so where? <laughs> I'm not that organized, no. But I do, I, I speak of that in the sense that um, uh, Native American people talk about the medicine of each animal and that each animal species does bring a certain knowing, a certain gift, a certain medicine, if you will, of knowing to the planet, and that we can all share in that. And that's why another reason why, you know, connecting beyond ourselves is so important. It's all, as an aside, you know, when an animal species leaves the planet via extinction, we lose that. We lose that gift, that connection. Um, So it's another reason why it's so important for us to stay all connected and um, to tap into that that universal language, if you will, of, of learning from one another, of sharing of um, seeing the world through eyes other than our own, seeing the world through different paradigms and perspectives. All right. We have two minutes before break, so I don't have time to take any calls before the break, but I promise all of you that are holding on lines and those of you that have questions in the chat room, we'll get to, I'll let Don answer all of that for you when we come Mm -hmm. back from break. But I have a last one for you here before we go, quickie. Yes. I love the information Buddy brings in your book, Animal Voices. He states that we're all more or less predestined to unite with our paths, enlighten us. What what is Buddy talking about when he means with our paths? Well, again, let's go back into that quantum field, that idea that time and space are one. And, you know, I, I I guess the short answer would be let's think of karma. That's the other thing, you know. Our connection with our past is who we are now, is our connection with who we will be. So all of these things are part of us. People who think they, we move away from our past, we do to some extent, but we're still connected with our past of, of who we are and how, we, how we're connected. Not just okay. with ourselves, but with the earth itself and, and with all other beings. And that's my question there. Part of our path is indeed to reconnect with uh, Mm. all other beings, uh, Mm. all other life forms, is it not? I believe so. I believe so, yeah. That's what I kind of took from that. I Mm -hmm. I think, uh, and that's an important message if if you uh, realize that all of life, for all intent and purposes, has a vibration that's important for us in order for us to be whole as a part of the vibration. Well, anyway, I, that's how I see it. <laughs> I, I'll let you comment on that when we come back. You are listening to Provocative Enlightenment. On Our special guest today is Don Brunke, and we're discussing animal consciousness and communication. We'll return after a short break and a few words from our friends. You want to be sure and stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming up. Have you talked to yourself lately? What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? InnerTalk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. InnerTalk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier. 
from losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses, learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Every day, every moment, we face choices. Yet, how many of those choices are truly our own? Are you ready to step onto the path of discovery? Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestseller, Choices and Illusions, now revised, updated, and expanded. Eldon combines provocative information, scientific research, and his own life's journey into a powerful message that we have the power to change. All we must do is be willing to choose to take the chance and change. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're talking about animal communication. Actually, we're talking about uh, a wonderful book. I mean, I, I want you to all be sure you get down this book. It's Animal Voices. Subtitled Telepathic Communications in the Web of Life. And actually, our guest today has a number of books, three particularly that I have read, and we have links to those at our site. We'll give you more information later in the show on that. But before we get back to today's show, I would like to remind you, please like, to use the words of Facebook, our Provocative Enlightenment Facebook pages. And while you're there, I invite you to join me personally on Facebook as a friend. Finally, be sure to check out the free programs and sign up for our free newsletter when you visit eldentaylor.com. All right, let's get back to the show. Before the break, I, I was making a point, and I don't want to leave that without uh, Don having a chance to comment on it. My point was that I believe a part of us is missing, like, say, um, the violin in an orchestra. Until we make this connection with all life, that, that was my point, Don. You, you tell me what your thoughts are there. Well, can I give you kind of a long answer here? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll share a dream I had about this, um, not oh, this specifically, but it kind of speaks to the whole notion of animal communication and what's missing or not missing. I dreamt I was at a, uh, an animal communication workshop, and actually I had never taken one, but in the dream I was at one, and the class had dismissed for lunchtime, and I was kind of left behind with the instructor. And I was leaving the classroom when all of a sudden I realized I had an animal communication device in my brain. It was like a round little marble, and it had a number of little circles around the perimeter, and it was basically a universal translator device, and I was so excited. And I said to the teacher, did you put that there? And being a very good teacher, he said, no, that was within you all along. You just finally found it. Again, I was so excited. There happened to be some dogs in the room, and I turned to them, and I used, I realized kind of intuitively how to use this communication device, which was to center it in my brain, and to follow one of the little circle beams to connect with one of the, um, one of the dogs at the heart and at the head level. And all of a sudden, I heard this dog speaking to me, just as you would speak to a friend. It was an amazing dream for me because it, it, it told me a, a number of things. Number one, that we do have this within us. It's something I think 
we've forgotten culturally, maybe along the line. You know, we separated ourselves from nature. We were very um, keen to put ourselves above animals, so to speak. And I think uh, in the dream, what that was showing me is, um, no, we all have that ability. It is within us. And it's something that's been there all along. It's just a matter of, of finding it, kind of on your computer, you know, a lost file somewhere. And you find right. it, you bring it to consciousness, and you can use it. I also loved in the dream, just, I love dreams, by the way, but just the, the idea, and, and for me, this is a very much how animal communication works, is you basically find that beam of connection between you and the animal or whoever you're speaking to, and you have that open flow, that both back and forth, in which you're connecting at this deeper level. As I said before, some people hear through words, some people through images, through feelings. It almost doesn't matter. It's the connection, I think, that's, that's important, and that, and, that, um, and that also speaks to, again, what we were talking before, that kind of universal field. We're tapping into the energetic of that and using it in very specific ways to connect uh, for communication. All right. Don Bronke, let's, are you ready for some uh, phone calls? I sure am. All right, well, let's do that. Let's go to line one. We have uh, Taylor from Clearwater, Florida. And uh, you have a question for our guest today, Taylor. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment. Thank you, Eldon, so very much. I've always been, like, I felt, I mean, well, I'm I'm intuitive anyway, but specifically with animals. So I'm very excited that there's someone out there that has books on this. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a 10-year-old Yorkshire Terrier right now who goes through absolutely unbelievable separation anxiety. Do you have any suggestions? Um, actually, I, uh, I don't really work a lot with behavioral issues. There are animal communicators out there who work every day with behavioral issues such as this. Separa- separation anxiety is kind of a, you know, I wouldn't say common, but it's not an unusual um, connection. And sometimes... Um, from what I've heard from other communicators, it's just a matter of connecting with your animal both before you leave and when you come back, kind of um, uh, showing them in your mind's eye where you're going. Some people even uh, connect with their animals while they're away, and they do a check-in every couple animals, every couple animals, every couple hours, just to kind of reconnect and to assure the animal that uh, you're, you're sure that um, things are okay. So um, I can't comment more specifically than that just because that's not really my area of expertise. But Right. Mm-hmm. right. I, I understand. It's more that, that I do, I, I so feel her anxiety with it, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and it just seems, it, I mean, it's not so much, it's not something I look at so much as a, as a behavioral issue. I mean, mm-hmm. she seems to just, I mean, what she tells me, what comes through to me is that she is just so fearful of being mm-hmm. alone. And mm-hmm. when I put her even with another dog or another animal, um, that doesn't seem to help. It, it seems to be me, mm. the issue. It seems to be you, the issue? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well you know, if she's not glued to me, then... Uh, Right, right. And without, you know, going into deep psychoanalysis, you know, it. and I'm not <laughs> suggesting necessarily that this is the case with you, but I will say that animals oftentimes reflect our own issues. So if there's right. any anxiety you have about leaving leaving her alone, you know, that that might be, be reflected through her and it's being projected back at you at some level. So that's yeah, another area. That. To, one thing I've suggested to other people, not specifically in this situation, but in other situations, is to have a talk, is to sit down 
and, uh, you know, uh, bring the problem into the room and talk about it. And if you're able to connect with her, brainstorm ideas. How, how can she feel less fearful, less, less anxious about this whole thing? And maybe some oh, unusual, right. interesting <laughs> ideas will come to you. That's excellent advice. That's okay. excellent advice. Good. I mean, I do try to soothe her, you know, before I'm leaving and all that, but have I really sat there and brought it to the table with her? Yeah, there speak? you go. No, I have, I have not. There you go. You know. All right. So, Good. yes. Thank you very, Good. very much. Mm-hmm. Elton, Ravender, all of you. I, I love you guys. You guys are great. Hey, we love you. Thanks for calling, Taylor. All right. All right. Thank you. you ready for another one? Yeah, sure. All right, here we go. We're going to go to line two. This time it's Deanna out of Bath, New York. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment. Yes, hi. Deanna, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? I can, very clear. You have a question for Don. Yes, hi, Don. Um, I have your Animal Voices book and have enjoyed it very much. Thank um, you. I, I love your story about the bird, and I've had a couple of incidents with birds, and I've always been in intuitive with pets, but I never knew of it, quote-unquote, as, you know, animal communication mm-hmm. until I started, like, my own little wellness journey, and mm. actually a animal spoke to me and told me one day that it was going to die that day, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it spoke to me two other times during that process, and mm-hmm. it helped me learn about death, and mm-hmm. since then, I'm really embracing um, my gift and trying to develop it more, thus studying your books. And my question, though, is um, I feel particularly drawn to help animals with uh, emotional issues, fear issues, Mm -hmm. and also those that um, are preparing to transition. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, do you have any experience or could recommend any other type of healing modalities that are out there to help pets with those? Um, and how to help them in um, transitioning. Mm-hmm. I think well, some of us get it so emotional that we make it worse for the animal rather than yeah. better. Well, I think you put your put yeah yeah the, your fingertip right on it. I think that's oftentimes the issue. I think a lot of times um, animals are there for us to help us learn more about death. In general, I've never. Um, are, I, in general, I haven't come across many animals who are very fearful about death. It's more of a natural process. And I think they embrace that a lot more than humans do. I've sat with all three of my dogs as they passed over, um, and all have been different experiences. Um, but without exception, there's, there's not been regret. There's not been fear. Um, there is a great story. Um, I think it's in my second book, Animal Voices, Animal Guides, and it's about a um, a cat named named Queen, who was transitioning and was kind of helping her person to understand it. And she was sharing it with me. And the way she spoke about it is that you know how cats often use that dream state, that kind of otherworldly little you know state they go into. They stare off, and Queen was using that. She was going, as she called it, "I'm walking the path of death." And she would move into it a little, and then she would come back and ground that information, that feeling in her body. And then she would go out a little further and come back. And she did this over a process of a number of weeks. And whenever I would, you know, tune into her, she would kind of take me along and show me this journey that she was doing and how she was bringing it back into her body as a way of um, lessening fear and lessening the path of death um, in fear for others, both humans and animals. Um, 
So that's one thing. I think, uh, you know, when I, when I just hear your voice, I feel like you are very, um, uh, you already kind of have an idea of how you can do this. So I think you're totally on the right, I sense you're totally on the right track here. Um, there's certain, a lot of, a lot of different body work modalities you can bring in. I do have a back work in, in body work, and I think it's a wonderful thing to use. Massage, um, you know, some Traeger motions you can use. Um, uh, there's a woman, Rita Reynolds, who has a wonderful website. Um, her book is called Blessing the Bridge, and, and she works a lot with animals transitioning, and she uses color therapy, different colored blankets, and different music. So oh, I think, wow. uh, you know, what I would encourage you is to draw upon your intuition and your sense of, of what feels right in each situation. And let's be clear that every situation is unique and speaks to a relationship not only of that animal um, and its spirit guides and its connection with the earth, but also ourselves. And, you know, when we're, when we're called to be present in a death, that's, um, uh, that's an amazing invitation and honor. And so that's how you started your, your, your uh, introduction here uh, talking. And I, I think that's really significant. And I think we do get called to these things rather than just deciding one day this is what we're going to do. So it's a, um, um, it's a lovely story you brought well, thank you, and please keep the books. I have to get a couple more now. <laughs> uh, and I'm so happy that Eldon has brought you on the show. And, Eldon, you've done several things with animals in your show, and please continue. This is wonderful. I think they really are angels sent to us to teach us. So bless I you totally both. concur. Thank bless you for both. calling, I'll... Dina. Bye-bye. All right. Okay. <laughs> We're going to take a question out of the chat room before we come back to the phone. Here's the chat room's feeling a little neglected, and Ravinder's giving me that evil eye. She doesn't really have one, <laughs> <I> but... <laughs> never give you the evil eye. Okay. I love you. Uh, thank you. Question out of the chat room. Dora in the chat room has a cat who has started peeing on her son's bed. We are all discussing this in the chat room. What does uh, Don have to say about this? How can Dora find out what is upsetting the cat, Gulliver? And then Dora adds to this, and I find this really interesting. Gulliver laughed, in quotes, at sprays to discourage his behavior and peed on it. Mm. All right, so we have a a defiant cat. Mm. Speaking of cats, Mm -hmm. what do you suggest, Don? Well, um, again, I would go back to, I don't deal a lot with behavioral issues with this, and I would defer to an animal communicator who does this all the time and who's really well-versed in, uh, in behavioral issues. However, you know, um, being quote-unquote pissed off <laughs> comes to mind. <laughs> you know, whenever we're dealing with something like that, there's usually that element of um, a little bit of anger, a little bit upset, things aren't right, um, that we're doing it on the bed is, is significant. So I would, I would look into that. Number one, what I might do if it was me is look at it as if it was a dream. What are these elements telling me? Number two, I would also do what I suggested to the, one of the previous callers, which is have a talk. Bring it out in the open. You know, maybe, Eldon, we could talk a little bit later, too, about how does this work? How do we communicate with animals? It's pretty simple. It's, it, uh, do you want me to go into this now? or should we Sure, go right yeah. Because, you know, uh, people, and myself included, have this idea that it's something that people out there do and that it's something that... You know, you must you must have to go to a workshop or read a book. And while I'd love you to read my books, you know, um, it's really really simple. And all it is is quieting ourselves. You know, humans are wonderful. We're chatterboxes. You know, our minds can't stop working. A lot of what this is is attuning ourselves at deeper levels, quieting ourselves. So what I would recommend for this woman is to sit with her cat 
in a comfortable way when your cat is, you know, wanting to sit and be calm and um, sit there and stroke its fur if it likes that or feel yourself attuning, connecting with this cat at a deep heartfelt level and then bring up the issue. Say it out loud. Say it in your mind. Um, again, I have a lot of articles at my website or in all of my books. There's uh, different exercises and ideas and suggestions on how to deepen and how to connect. And then let loose. It's like having a conversation with a friend. That's what it's like. The key, again, the trick, I think, for humans is um, letting there to be space where you can listen, where you can really hear. And hearing may come in a lot of different ways. It might come in words. It might come in feeling. It might come in the lyrics to a song. It might come later in the day, a sign, just an idea that appears to you. So don't discount anything. Let yourself be open and let yourself um, sense what's there. You know, when you say it might come in the lyrics of the song and, mm. and these other ways, what you're describing is precisely the same thing that uh, those who teach us how to have conversations with loved ones that have passed mm. tell mm-hmm. us to do. Precisely yeah. the same thing. Precisely yeah. the same cues. Mm. And, you know, I haven't received a letter from a, one of our subscribers early this morning that talked about how her cat, which has passed away, brushes up against her and mm-hmm. she feels it against her leg mm-hmm. when she's maybe on the computer or things very real kinds of experiences mm-hmm. all right well let's let's take another call um we have on line three tammy from naples florida tammy welcome to provocative enlightenment you have a question for don yay i'm so glad you took my call um, so am i I've, <laughs> I've always been a huge animal lover in fact i feel closer to to animals than I do people. I've always been this way. <laughs> and um, right now I have a dog. Uh, his name is Teddy. He's 10 years old, and I'm closer to him than I've ever been to, to any animal. It seems like almost like a psychic connection. He seems to know when I'm going to go places, when I'm going to bring him, and when I'm not. He even seems to understand when I'm having a health issue uh, before I do even sometimes. And I just wanted to ask you about that um, that connection I'm having with him and and how is it that he seems to know things before before I do even? Right. Well, uh, I, first off, I think it's it's yes, it's valid. It's true. You know, we do have these um, intense connections with animals, just as we might with humans. It almost doesn't matter. We're having a connection with a being, right? You know, is is it a furry being? Is it a feathered being? Is it a human being? What if, what is it? We're connecting heart to heart soul to soul at some time. So, um, you know, it, it's a very valid relationship. How do animals know when you're coming, when you're going? I think, as Eldon spoke before, that that universal field is a really good way of explaining it. As, um, you know, many animals are just uh, more quiet in their minds and so better able to tune in to what's going on, to reading you, if you will, of where you are and, and, and your connection. They're, they're, he's hearing you at deeper levels, and, um, and I guess the challenge would be for you to do the same with him, if you like. You know? I, have, I have other dogs, too. I have four other dogs, mm-hmm. but um, somehow I have this special bond with this particular mm-hmm. dog. Yeah. Um, how is that exactly? Do you have any, any comments about how you can be so much closer to um, to one uh, one dog or, or psychic with one dog and not mm-hmm. others. 
Well, I just know from my own experiences, you know, I've, had, I've lived with three dogs for a while, and they all had very different connections. One was a very intellectual connection, and we could have these really, you know, esoteric conversations. Another was uh, uh, what, uh, Max, what I call my, my heart dog, and he was very simple, very, but very, very deeply connected at heart levels. So I think it's just like relationships with humans. We are tuning in at that level that where we're most connected, and obviously, this Eddie and you have, you know, a deep down connection that that speaks on that level, and uh, you know, just like with humans, we have that with some humans, and we don't with others. We, yeah. You know, people are in life for for different reasons as our animals, so it's a deep down sacred connection to some level for you, yeah. I've had a lot of loss in my life. Like, I, I've lost mm. my, my brother, my fiancé, my best friend. I mean, I've, I've had a lot of death. And at this point, I have this tremendous fear of, of when Teddy does finally pass, mm. which hopefully won't be any time soon. But, mm. <laughs> and it's there all the time. Like, mm. it's, it's constant almost every day. I can't, it, like, make this fear go away. Mm. Uh, and um, I was wondering if, if you have any idea if he's tapping into that or if he can sense the fact that this is a big issue for me. Well, obviously, it's a big issue for you because you're speaking about it, and it's and it has it ha- it holds an emotional weight. Even just as you as you use the words, you're speaking about it. Um, I hate to keep harping on the same advice, but I'm going to give you the same advice that I gave the other two uh, women, which is why not talk with Eddie about this and bring it out into the open. I just I'm such a, a, an advocate for bringing whatever uh, you know dark shadow material we have, whatever fears, anxieties, etc., out into the open, and that's I think really the moment we start to be able to heal that is if you can bring that into the open and talk with Eddie about it, talk with others about it. You know, it helps I think to air these things out and to look at them. Um, you know, the the other side of that is a willingness to look at that in you. You know, am I willing to look at what life might like be without Eddie and, and how would that be? And um, and I would get advice from Eddie, too. He's obviously really connected to you. Can you do that? Yeah, I'll try. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's right. say you can do that. Let's say it that way. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. You can do that. All right, Tammy, thank you very much for calling. All right, thank you. Uh huh. Let's try and get one more in here, but it's going to have to be a short answer because we're running out of time. We have Debbie from uh, Superstition Mountain, Arizona. Welcome to the show, Debbie. What's your question? Thank you so much. Um, I have a male and female uh, Akitas that loved each other, absolutely adored each other. We, we in fact, were, were going to breed them. And about a year ago, um, there was a scuffle when we weren't home. They're indoor dogs, and we've kind of kept them separated. They're, uh in separate rooms, they could see each other even nose to nose, and we'd like to put them back together. But now our fear has kind of overcome that. And I just wondered, Don, I don't know if that's something you can tune into through me to see. I, I think that they miss each other and want to be together terribly, but we have no clue what sort of led to the disagreement in the first part and being right. large dogs. We don't want anybody to right. get hurt. Yeah, and and this is one of those cases where I would advise you to um, hire an animal communicator to to okay. tap into that. It, it it is a deeper issue, I'm sensing, and it's something that I I, I can't just answer, you know, in a couple minutes. It really right. needs some um, talk time with with the two animals and with yourself and possibly with some of the people in your in your family, and to address that in a deeper level. And that's a that's a a, a perfectly appropriate and important um, conversation, I think. 
um, that, that could be had and that could solve this pretty Thank easily. You. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. If I could quickly ask, how do you quiet the mind chatter? What's, is there a good tip for everybody on how to get that quiet space? Um, yeah, well, I do have a lot of ideas in my books. And um, in short, though, I would say what you're doing is you're cultivating a meditative state of mind. Okay. Um, for, for with animals, I really um, emphasize, first, play with your animal if it's a dog or I'm not a cat person, so I don't know how much cats play, but, you know, play, kind of get that. but we're running out of time. Okay, okay, sorry. (laughs) Debbie, you're going to have to get her book, but I'd have everybody (laughs) get her book anyway. Don, tell everybody your website and how they can contact you. Sure, my website is animalvoices.net. That's www.animalvoices.net. And uh, there's a lot of articles there. There's a lot of information um, and some chapter excerpts from the books. And my email address is on there, so you can just click it on and contact me personally if you like. All right. Well, we really appreciate you being with us today. We've come to the end of another hour of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank all of you for joining us. Uh, You know, in the chat room, on the telephone lines, or just listening in, we do appreciate it. Uh, Be sure to join us next time, same time, same place, when my guest will be Lynn McTaggart. And we'll be discussing the progress that she's had on some of her intention experiments. Finally, if you like our show, do let us all know. And remember, until next time, believing in yourself always matters. Good night, good day, good evening, wherever you might be, enjoy. Enjoy.